Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? Oh, wow. The 8.30 service was much more enthusiastic than y'all. Not that it's a competition, but pick it up, all right? <laughs> um, we're excited you're here today, and uh, at the end of this service, uh, we're going to do something we have never done before. And uh, we're going to uh, baptize. Miss Sammy in here? Where's she at? Hi, Miss Sammy. Miss Sammy accepted Christ. I don't mean to, you don't have to stand up and give a speech or anything, I promise. During one of our services from her home in Great Britain quite a while back. And she's here today to be baptized in America. So we're excited about that. She is now the head of GBC International in our church in Great Britain. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're excited to have her here and to have the opportunity to meet her, and uh, we'll do that at the end of the service. Um, we are talking today about a, a subject that I know is near and dear to all of our hearts, and that is self-control. I mean, because that's just exciting, and anybody wants to hear about that. But here's the deal. Here's what I want to talk to you about is Sometimes people see self-control as being um, passionless, but that is 100% not true. Self-control is not being without any kind of passion or, or without emotions. It is having all those emotions and having that passion, but having it under control. And if you're wondering, well, okay, what's the big deal with that? Because, you know, passionate people just do passionate things, yada, yada, yada. I want to talk to you about a scripture in Proverbs chapter 16, uh, verse 32. And um, as I was reading it this week, there was one thing that really, really kind of jumped out at me and wouldn't let me go. So that's why we're talking about that today. And if you'd please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word, Proverbs 16, verse 32. It says, better to be patient than powerful, better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, we, if we were just to ask people, would it be better to be powerful or to be patient? Most people in our culture would say, well, man, it'd be better to be powerful. And then when you look at the next part, it says it's better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Well, what is that? You know, we don't really see conquering a city the way they would have seen it during biblical times. The fact is that to conquer a city was to conquer a nation because most of the the great empires began as city-states. Rome, um, uh, the Greeks were, were Athens. And, and even in the times of Jesus, if you conquered the city that was the seat of the nation, you had the whole nation. Well, they wrote songs about people that did that for years and years and years. And so that was one of the greatest single accomplishments that you could have as a warrior or as a leader would be to conquer a city because to conquer the city was to conquer a nation. And so you would be a legend. I mean, people would talk about you. And yet here's this scripture, and it says it's better to, be, to have self-control than to do this great thing. And I'm like, well, how, how, is that, how is that possible? Because if you were to ask people out there, hey, you know what, if you could, if you could be great on this one thing, or have self-control, which would you pick? Well, nearly everybody would 
picked to be great in that one thing because that's what's lifted up in our society. But if you think about it, how many people do you know that were great at something and the rest of their life was just a complete wreck? I mean, history's littered with people like that. And so after gaining this one thing, they lost it all because of their lack of self-control. So why would self-control be better than to be great in one area? Because with self-control, you can be great in a lot of them. That's the whole point of this passage. I mean, I want you to think about this. If you had control of your emotions, I'm not talking about a lack of emotions, but if you were in control to where you didn't respond in anger when you know your spouse said something or did something, or you didn't respond uh, from hurt because somebody said something inadvertently hurt your feelings, or you weren't responding out of jealousy because of somebody said or did something at work, imagine, would you, would you not be a better husband or a better wife if you had self, more self-control? Would you not be better in business if you had more self-control and didn't make decisions based on emotions? What, there's not really, would you not be a better parent if you had better control? Would you not be a better employee? I mean, there's no area in life that you could come across where self-control would not benefit you. So what, why do we put so little effort into it? I mean, have you, have, when was the last time you ran across somebody? I mean, we're always, everybody's always trying to, well, I'm trying to improve myself. I'm reading this book or I'm doing this or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this workout program or I'm on this diet or, or I'm trying to get better at this skill or this. How many people have you run across that are like, man, I'm, I'm really working and praying about my self-control? How many times have you even thought about it? I mean, I'll be honest, most of the time I don't think about self-control until five minutes after I've lost it. Anybody else? When I'm driving down the road and, and that I word, idiot, pops out of my mouth over somebody else's driving, or I'm just mad about something that's really, even sometimes things that are ridiculous. I think about self-control after I've already lost it. Well, what if we thought about it beforehand? What if we had a plan? What if we decided, you know what? If it's that important, if the Bible tells us that self-control is that important, and then it could help me no matter what I do. It could help you be a better horse trainer. It could help you be a, a better business. Anything you do, self-control would be an asset and would make you better at it. And if that's true, why wouldn't I do something about it? So what do we want to talk about today are why is self-control important and how can we grow in that area? I, there's probably nobody, unless you're just an emotionless frog going through life where nothing, you know, nothing can get you going. All of us have emotions. And if we could control those, guess what? That turns what could be a weakness into a strength. You know, yeah, there are things that happen that make us angry. But if we can control that, maybe we can do something productive with it. Maybe we could make that passion into something that glorifies and honors God. So why not? Why not do something? So where does self-control come from? Well, one of the places it comes from is, and the most important place, is that it comes from the Holy Spirit. And that's 
when, when we say the Holy Spirit, that's, that's that part about God dwelling within us. See, that's the amazing part for us as believers is we don't, we don't just serve some God who's, who's up in heaven and way off. We serve a God who's taken up residence in our life. And once we come to know Jesus, he's in us. And that's such an important and amazing thing that Jesus told his disciples, it's better for you that I go away. They were with Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And he told them, it's better for you that I go away so that the counselor could come. And the Holy Spirit comes and he empowers us and he teaches us in all things. And so just imagine Jesus himself said, it'd be better for you if I left because this is better. So we live in the days of better. We live in the days where the Holy Spirit lives in us. And the Bible tells us, be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? And there's all kinds of bad um, interpretations of what that means. But what it means is the more of God that's in you, the more God in you comes out, okay? And there are ways that that is seen. And it's amazing to think that God could live in us and be in us. Galatians 5, 22 through 26, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. These are the things that the, the more we grow in our relationship with God, the more those things show up in our life. Because the more we get of Him, the more that comes out. So then he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus, this is important, have nailed the passions and desires. Is there somebody, somebody out there is hitting that bass, aren't they? Can y'all hear that? It's just me. I'm pretty sure it's not a train. Somebody's out in our parking lot hitting the bass. Now they're gone. All right. I was starting to wonder. Maybe I shouldn't have brought that up if they're going to stay out there parked the rest of the service. All right. Anyhow, here's what it says. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. You know, some of the desires that come across us are sinful in nature. You know, anger is not necessarily sinful. The Bible tells us to be angry, yet do not sin. So you can be angry about things that are, that are righteous to be angry about. But how, if you let that anger control you, then it becomes a sin. So self-control exercised in that can make anger into something that's productive for God's kingdom. There are some things we ought to be angry about. There are injustices in the world there are things that shouldn't happen. Those things should make us angry. But that doesn't mean it's okay to allow anger to rule us, to control us. So we nail those passions and desires of our sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That's fruit. Now here's one of the things. During times of, of uh, when, when fruit comes to to uh, become ripe, you can walk around and tell what kind of tree is in somebody's orchard. 
Now, you may not unless you're, you know, somebody that knows what they look like. But you can walk around. If you see an apple, well, that's an apple tree. You see a pear, well, there's a pear tree. And so fruit identifies the type of tree. And fruit should identify us by who we belong to. In Matthew 7, 15 through 20, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. So in other words, don't be caught up with what people say they are. Look at what they show you they are. What are their actions, their life, their fruit show them to be? You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Okay? Now, I'll be the first one to tell you, all of us as Christians, there are moments where we don't necessarily act like Christians. But on the whole, you should be able to see that people belong to Christ. You should be able to see who we belong to, who we love, who we serve. That's part of bearing fruit. He says, look, can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. You know, there are tons of people around, the, around, around us that say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but let me tell you something. Your actions, there's that old phrase, your actions speak louder than words. And if your actions say something different, then you have a disconnect. And our actions should point out that we're followers of Christ. And one of those actions should be in the way that we control our spirit, our emotions, our passions. We should be able to control those. We must control them as we're following Christ. And the more we do that, the more people see Jesus. And that comes, some of that comes naturally. The more we follow Christ, the more we seek Him, the more we know of Him, but then there's a part of that that we have to make a decision about. We have to nail it to the cross. We have to get it under control. We have to discipline ourselves. Control is a verb. It's something that you do. So, Genesis 4-7, God is speaking to the first brother that murdered in Genesis. He says, you will be accepted if you do what is right. He's telling this before he commits the murder. It says, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. You know what that came as? It came as anger. It came as jealousy. It came as covetousness. And the action that came out of that was murder. Murdered his own brother. And so what God's telling us, even as far back in Genesis is, and look, we have an advantage now. We have the Holy Spirit, that there are going to be emotions, there are going to be desires that come that want us to do something. You know, we live in a world now where that's glorified. Hey, you want to you do whatever you want to do with your body? Fine. You shouldn't have to pay the consequences. Just get an abortion. Somebody says something to you in a store, go ahead, rant at them. That's just you speaking to power. You don't like this? Do something about it. That's the world that we live in now, is we live in a world that encourages a lack of control. 
And where is that getting us? It's getting us and we're raising up a generation that are being taught to not control their emotions. And so now they're getting to college and want a safe space where nobody can hurt their feelings. Man, that is one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard of. This safe space where nobody can say anything, blah, blah, blah. You know, <clears throat> when I was growing up, were there times my parents defended me? Sure, but never while I was around. If an adult, you know, I got into an uh, um, um, altercation with somebody or whatever, they would always tell me, you be respectful, you do the right thing. Their counsel to me was always about my actions, not about what somebody else did. And we've gotten to this point now where we excuse not only our own actions, well, I'm usually pretty calm, but if you do that to me, then hey, it's on. And then we excuse it in our children. Well, you know, they're a good kid. I mean, that, you know what happened to them? We're, we're raising them to live with the word but. Everything's fine, but if somebody does this, then you can do that. Well, I didn't mean to, but they did this. Well, I shouldn't have done that, but. You see it all the time on social media. Well, I probably shouldn't say this, but. I'm just telling you right now, if your first thought is I shouldn't say this, go with your first thought. It's 99.99% the right thought to have. Don't say it. You know what? There's never anybody that got in trouble for not posting a rant, is there? Have you ever heard of anybody that came in and their boss said, man, you know, you really should have told your boss off yesterday. I'm going to have to let you go because you didn't do that. You know, that customer was 100% wrong, and you should have just kicked them out of the store, screamed at them, told them never to come back in here, and we didn't want any of their money, and because you didn't do that, I'm going to have to let you go. Or no promotion for you. Have you ever heard of anybody? No. We need to learn how to get control. So how do we do that? Well, first thing we get is self-control doesn't just happen on its own, does it? Just like people that get in shape, it doesn't happen on its own. I mean, you know what? Nobody, I've yet, yet to hear anybody come up to me and say, man, you know what? Six, six months ago, I was out of shape, and, you know, I couldn't hardly, I couldn't walk a mile without being, being way out of breath. And now six months later, after sitting around watching my TV and eating donuts, all of a sudden, I can jump up and, and jog five miles. It just kind of happened. You ever heard anybody say that? No. It takes effort. Control takes effort. It takes discipline. And the Bible compares it to physical training. As a matter of fact, in 1 Timothy 4.8, it says this. Physical training is good. There's nothing wrong with it. But training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the one to come. So, both take training. Physical training takes one type of thing. Godliness takes another. Self-control takes another type of training. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, it says, don't you realize that everyone, that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are dis disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. Now he's not talking about physical training anymore. He's talking about training in godliness. I'm not just shadow boxing. 
I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. He's talking about self-control, about saying no to sin, about staying away from it, about being righteous. Why? Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So guess what? It takes effort. You want to get in shape? You want to get one of these? I mean, you best get up and work at it. Why are y'all laughing? That wasn't funny. Y'all just stop that. It's diet Mountain Dew. Y'all know that. So here's the deal. It takes some effort. So if you want to have self-control, it's not just going to happen. Hey, I'm just going to be self-controlled from now on. It's going to take effort. It's going to take a plan. How many of us have ever put any kind of a plan or thought into what, what do I need to do to be more in control of my own spirit? Well, guess what? We're going to help you. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a, a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. You have everything you need to conquer the emotions that come. And you know what? Here's the thing about those. You might go through three things tomorrow that all kind of try to get some kind of emotional reaction from you. And here's the deal. If you hit two of them and you're like, hey, I got these, that's good. But that third one can wreck your day. And so what do we need to do? We need to be prepared. We need to understand that in a day, there are going to come opportunities. They're going to happen. There's circumstances that are going to happen that are going to challenge us, that there's going to be an emotional response. And there's all kinds of different emotions. The thing is that we have to be prepared to control those emotions when they come up. I'm not trying to get you to stop having emotions. I'm trying to, to point out that we can control those when they happen. So how do they do? Number one, take a step. Okay? I'm not trying to tell you, hey, okay, don't, you need to be self-controlled from here until you die. Start with a smaller step. If you decide that you wanted to get in shape, you don't just go out and say, man, I'm going to go run a marathon tomorrow. You work up to it. So here's what you can do. Why not say, hey, tomorrow, I'm going to make it a point all day long to be in control of my emotions. Could you get through one day in control? Most of us could. If you think, I don't know if I can do that, then just do a morning. Just start out with the morning. Then when you get to lunch, make a decision about the rest of the day. But just put it in a smaller step. You know what? Tomorrow, I know there's something. I know this is going to happen. I know that's going to happen. And I'm going to do my best to be in control of my emotions no matter what happens. I mean, maybe you have to drive to Fort Worth. You need to spend at least 45 minutes in prayer before you get on there. No, I mean, maybe you do. But I I'm going to be in control. I'm going to have control over my emotions. I'm not going to let what anybody else does affect how I feel or how I act, or what I do, or what comes out of my mouth. I'm going to gain control. So take a small step. Here's one of the best things you can do. Be in the Word of God. Here's what it says, Colossians 3.16. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. That's the Word of God. Let it fill your life. You know what? Maybe memorize 
Proverbs 16.32. That's a good verse to memorize. Get that in your mind in the morning and, and think about it all day long throughout the day. And when that moment comes up, just quote it. Hey, better to be patient than powerful. When you're 12 cars back in the drive-thru lane and you've already passed that point where you can get out. You can't get out of the line now. And it hadn't moved in five minutes. It's better to be patient than powerful. When somebody does something that makes you angry, think about it. It's better to being self-controlled, to have self-control than he who conquers a city. Memorize that verse. Talk about it. Well, I'm not good at memorizing. Yes, you are. Every one of you know at least 10 passwords. Some of y'all, you only have one and you need to have more than that. But that's another day. All right. You, you know passwords. You know addresses. You know phone numbers. You memorize all kinds of things. You can memorize Scripture. There, you know, this may not be the most popular thing, but I'm telling you, there's nothing that will increase your spiritual growth and help you more than memorizing Scripture. Because the more, that's what it says, listen. It says, let, it, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. I'm not, talking, I'm not saying you've got to memorize chapters of Scripture, but memorize something. Let it fill your life. If you can't do that, how many of y'all have one of these? Ain't nobody in here ain't got one, unless you're young, too young to have one or whatever. You got one of these? There are apps on here that will read the Bible to you. So turn off Merle or whatever you listen to on the way to work and let the Bible read to you. Get the Word in you. Let it dwell in you with all its richness. You need to be in the Word. Second thing, always be joyful. Never stop praying. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Now that's not telling us to go get off in a closet by ourselves and just pray all the time. It's saying to have open communication lines with God. Guess what? You know what? We're used to, hey Alexa, blah, 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 blah. Guess what's better than Alexa or Siri or whatever else? I just, I just activated some people's phones probably. <laughs> hey Siri! <laughs> oh, I just activated mine then. Sorry about that. Go back to sleep. Did you, guess what? Did you know God's more responsive than Siri or Alexa? Before you even get the words, hey God, off your lips, God's listening. So use it. During your day, never stop praying. When you hit those moments and something comes, hey, God, I need your help. I need your help, Lord. Pray without ceasing. Never stop. One of the simple things, Proverbs 13, 3, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Y'all know what I'm saying? Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Sometimes just don't say anything. Just choose not to say anything. It's hard sometimes, isn't it? Because those times when you most want to say something is probably the times when you shouldn't say anything. So choose not to say anything. There are times in Psalm 4.4, don't, don't sin by letting anger control you. 
Think about it overnight and remain silent. You know what? There's a good, th- good habit to get into is to, to not feel like you got to respond to everything right then in the moment. You know, it's, uh, if, you got, if you ever raised a puppy, how many anybody raised a puppy? There's key parts to that. If you don't whoop them within a few seconds or lovingly discipline them. I don't want no calls from PETA. If you got to, you know, send it to 1-800-SUNNY-DON'T-CARE. Send it to him. And, uh, but so if you got to do something with the puppy, you got to do it immediately. They forgot what you're doing. Believe it or not, kids can remember things a little bit longer than that. So it's okay to say, hey, you go to your room for 20 minutes and calm down. It's okay to say, that's not acceptable. I'm going to let you know what your punishment's going to be here in 10 minutes. Because sometimes when we just come out with it, well, you're grounded for the rest of your life. And then we got to come back on it. Okay, maybe not the rest of your life, maybe just till you're 28, whatever. So instead of having to come back and change those things, put it off for a little bit. The best discipline you give your child is going to be when you're not angry. The worst discipline oftentimes is when we're angry. We've all been guilty of that. Because Lord have mercy, children have the spiritual gift of making parents angry. Am I right? I mean, we love y'all. We do. But that's the truth. So take some time and think about it. There's nothing wrong with even telling somebody, hey, can I think about that and get back to you? There's nothing wrong with telling your spouse that. I need a little bit of time. I need a time out for three days. No, don't three days. Maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is. Or let's talk about this in a little while. Give each other the freedom to do that. Because sometimes the heat of the moment is not the right time. And so take some time. The Bible says, think about it overnight and remain silent. Now, I want to make something clear. Self-control is not not saying anything in the moment and then thinking about not only what they did, but everything else they've done to you that you didn't like over the last 20 years and exploding on them the next day. That is not self-control. That's just lighting a delayed fuse. A delayed fuse is not self-control, okay? Self-control is waiting until we're not angry and being able to talk about it calmly and with love. And sometimes there's things we need to talk about and sometimes when you get past being angry, you recognize that ain't worth messing with unless you just move on. So don't let anger control you. Don't let any emotion control you. Don't let fear control you. Don't let jealousy, whatever it is, don't let it control you. People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. When we lose self-control, it says something about who we are. It says something to the person that we're losing control to, and it says something to the people around us. Okay? It's fine to be passionate. You know, the Bible says, and I, I said it earlier, be angry yet do not sin. Passion is not a sin. But allowing passion to rule you is a sin. We should be in control of our passion. We need to be in control over it. Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. You know, that's been true in our society for hundreds of years. 
And if one of the things I love, I love reading history. I've read a lot of the accounts of uh, men who, who displayed great courage in battle, a lot of them who won the Congressional Medal of Honor. And one of the things that was kind of common through all of them was that it would talk about how when things were the worst, they didn't lose their head. They did what they knew was the right thing to do, no matter what was going on around them. And so here's the thing, and here's why self-control can be such a great thing for your life and in your life, is it will keep you from a lot of those apologies. It keeps us from a lot of regrets of being able to be in control of our spirit. And the other part of that is, is that it will allow God to use us in a lot of different ways that we didn't even dream God could use us in. When we're able to maintain self-control, it makes us useful to Him. Because here's what it does, is that God can use us even in the midst of difficult times. And the other part of that is, is people can see Jesus in us, even when things are at their toughest. And when people can see Jesus in you during difficult times, they will come to you when they're in difficult times. Some of y'all have already experienced that more than once, and you'll continue to see it. Is that when people see Jesus in you, they're going to come to you when life gets tough for them. And you can be useful, and that passion that you have and that you controlled can be greatly used by God. The more people see Him in you, the more they will seek you out when they need answers and the more opportunities that you will have to tell them about Christ. And you know what? Here's the amazing thing. I want you to think about this. There was a, a Sunday school teacher who was teaching a small Sunday school class of like six guys. Six, uh, excuse me, there were six graders. And there were just a handful of them in there. But this Sunday school class teacher was committed every week to telling those kids how much Jesus loved them and what it was like to have a relationship with Christ. And one week, one of the young men in his class, after hearing it for a while, and after seeing his faithfulness and seeing his life, gave his life to Jesus. Now he went on to tell other people about Christ. His name was Billy Graham. And his relationship with Christ started with one guy being faithful, telling five or six men about Jesus in a small room. Can you imagine? So I, whether you're Billy Graham, the next Billy Graham, or you're that teacher, what an amazing experience for either one of them. You never know the person that you share Christ with may be the one that Billy Graham led hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. And that Sunday school teacher had a part in that just because they were faithful. You see, God can use us. It takes discipline and it takes consistency. It won't be perfection. It never is. But the more we can be consistent, the more we can see God use us 
in ways that we could never have dreamed or imagined. So here's my challenge to you. This week, make self-control part of your plan. Think about it in the mornings. Pray about it. Get the Word of God in you. And determine today, I'm going to be in control of my spirit all day long. And see what, what it could be like. God wants to use you. God wants to see you become more like Jesus. You know, the, the biggest part of that is having Christ in you. Jesus didn't come to just, just for the purpose of having all our sins forgiven. That would have been enough. I mean, we'd have been eternally grateful for that. So all the times you've already messed up, He came to forgive us for all those, but He also came to set us free so that we wouldn't have to make the same mistakes over and over again. So that we could be free from sin. And we're free by the power of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. So why not be free? Live free. You're not going to be perfect, but you can be free. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, we'd love to give you the opportunity to know Him. It's not a complicated thing. It's really simple. And it starts this way. Is number one, you've got to admit that you're a sinner. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. In other words, that's, when we sin, we're separated from God. And we earn forever separation from Him. But God loved us enough that He sent His Son to die on the cross in our place so that we would not have to be separated from God. So that we could know Him and be near Him, not just now, but forever. You see, Jesus is not just a regular guy. He's God's Son. He died on the cross in your place, and He rose on the third day to give you life. And then the last thing is when you come to Jesus, you confess Him as Lord. you got to trust Him as your Savior and confess Him as your Lord. And what that means is you're not going to live life your way anymore. You're going to live His and here's what I, one of the things I want you to understand. When God has a will for you, it's always for your good. Always. It's always for your good. And so here's the deal. If you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know you have a right relationship with Him, not just now, but for all eternity, that you'll be in heaven with Him, I want to invite you to pray just a brief prayer of salvation. If that's you and you'd like to do that, You'd like to know him. I want to lead you in a prayer of salvation. So I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes. And if that's you and you want to be forgiven and you want to know that your relationship with God is right, you pray this prayer with me right now. I'm going to pray it in just short sentences. You can repeat it after me or you can pray it in your own words, but pray it with me right now. Dear God in heaven, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, my life. Cleanse me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day, according to Scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my Savior. And I confess him as my Lord.
Now, without anybody looking around, if you prayed that prayer today, here's what I want to ask you to do. I just want you to look up at me for just a moment. Just look up and keep looking until I see you. If you prayed that prayer today, you look up at me right now. Okay. All right, so here's what we're going to do. If you did that today or someday recently and you've not told anyone, we want to encourage you to tell someone. There's a, a number on your screen. You can just text, I did it, to that number. Or you can open up your camera and point at that code, that QR code, and a form will open up that you can send us that information. It's important that you tell someone about your new relationship with Jesus. And we'd love to get in touch with you and answer any questions and talk to you about the next steps in following Him. If you're interested in church membership, you can just text membership to that number and we'll get with you and set up a time to meet, answer any questions and talk to you about our church. We'd love to visit with you. So right now I'm gonna pray for those that have trusted Christ and I also wanna pray for, for you, each of us, that God would help us to be disciplined, to be in control so that we look more like Jesus so that we can be used by him. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your son. Lord, help us, Father, to be in control of our passions and our desires. And Father, we thank you for the ability to do that through a relationship with you. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.